Hello. Welcome back. It's tremendous. An episode or a podcast about plants. Podcast about roses. Yes, ma'am. It's ma'am. Sorry. Sir. Sir. Gentlemen. I don't know. <laughs> it's 2021. Yeah, we made it. We're in a new year. Mm-hmm. We're recording. In the same room. It, spoiler alert. Yep. Very, very exciting. <laughs> Catherine has come to Canada. Yes, I, they let me in. They didn't want to, but they did. They had no choice. We weren't gonna. We weren't gonna let them stop you. <laughs> What's today's episode about, babe? Roses, I think. Yeah, and I like that. We both separately were like, we got to talk about Outcast, the Outcast song "Roses" because we love it so much. We can't just talk about the Outcast song "Roses." We have to lead with it. Right. Exactly. The song is just too good to be left in the cold. Mm-hmm. But today we're talking about rose plants. No outcast. No outcast. No Andre. We could talk about it another episode, though. I don't think I know enough about the song to talk about it. We can research it for sure. When was it released? <gasps> oh, shit. What was it? I think it was May 25th, 2004. That sounds right. Yeah. I was thinking 2005, but I think it's 2004. I was in fourth grade. Just a little in wee 2004? One. Yeah. I was... May 2004, I would have been 12, mm-hmm. on the verge of 13. Oh, So going into high school. But also, oh my goodness, that sounds so dramatic, but we're only three years apart. <laughs> yeah, but three years is a lot when you're young. It is a lot, for sure. It's, it's basically a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get started. Where would you like to start? With history of roses, because I think we, uh, I don't know, I always just like the little... History facts, because I just think they're so interesting. Okay. Well, hit me. Fossil evidence suggests that roses flourished up to 32 million years ago. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long time. Yeah. It's to state the obvious. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to like comprehend what that even means. What, what else was happening on Earth 32 million years ago? Because the dinosaurs were gone. Okay. If dinosaurs are gone, everything's in bloom. <laughs> or is everything under a cloud of ash? Possibly. Or frozen, frozen solid. Frozen solid. I don't know when the Ice Age was. Couldn't it have been frozen solid if they're making fossils out of roses at that point? I don't know enough to say otherwise. Okay. But that does sound like a good point well made. Right, right, right. Okay. And then for people have been cultivating roses for about 5,000 years. So people have been fucking that, around. That's a long time too. Yeah, but that's not as long as human history. Mm-hmm. So. So what? What, what were they doing before that? No roses. No roses. Were, no. Do you think roses weren't growing, or they just didn't care for them? They must not have cared for them or realized the medicinal properties. What if roses were like diamonds, in the sense that at some uh-huh. point someone was just like, "We can make a buck off of this." They're like, "This is valuable." Or let's tell people it is, yeah, let's and then we'll tell sell it. People it has value, or it means something, mm-hmm. and then it exploded in popularity. What if, like before that, people consider roses like a weed or something? It's possible. It's funny how like the perspective of a plant changes the value of it. Mm-hmm. Like people don't like dandelions in their yard, but dandelions are good for early spring pollinators, and you can eat them. Dandelions are the the little yellow guys little puff balls and then you pick them and you when they're dried that you blow them i wouldn't call those yellow what would you call those white no they're yellow when they're in bloom and then they turn white when you blow oh, them okay 
They turn white when they produce the seeds. Okay, so, so all the all the things you blow into the wind, those are seeds. Yep. Oh, right. I think we talked about this, and that's why those. That's why they spread so that's much. Why they're friggin' everywhere. And so you just like picture like a little kid like blowing them, and really they're like spreading weeds. Yeah, that kid is like Donald Trump at a rally spreading <laughs> COVID. <laughs> that's too intense of a <laughs> of a reference for me. <laughs> okay, let's go back to history. Okay, let's talk about. <laughs> Okay, the ancient Romans used rose petals for medicine, perfume garlands, and wedding wedding confetti and desserts. The ancient Romans? Yes. And then they also stuff pillows with rose flowers. I bet that would smell really good. Do they stuff it for the smell or for like the texture? Like the way we stuff pillows with feathers now. I think they stuff it for the texture, but the smell is probably like an added bonus. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I know, like, you can get, oh, I can't remember what it is. It's not cardboard, mm-hmm. but it's, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's pillows that aren't filled with cotton or feathers. What are they filled with? Composite material? I don't yeah, know. Like is little, that the right word? pellets of stuff. Apparently, oh. they're, like, super good for neck support. That would make sense. I feel like it would adjust to whatever you need. Do you think rose petals in a pillow is better than feathers? Probably like the first day after you pick the petals, but over time they would just dry up and just shrink down. They must have been going through a lot of pillows. Probably. Okay. The use of rose oil began in ancient Persia. And what do they use rose oil for? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Well, like people use like rose water today for like facial care or whatever. So I'm sure. Is it good for skin? Yeah, it is good for the skin. I made some this past summer. I literally just like picked the petals off of my roses in my yard and I boiled it. And then I like I strained the petals out and I like stored it in a jar and it was like super pretty and and, like watery. It wasn't very fragrant like other rose rose Mm -hmm. waters that I've used before, but that's probably. Because I'm just using my regular guarded roses. Maybe the fragrance depends on how many petals you put in there. Like maybe you just weren't putting enough. That's true. Or I just don't. Or maybe it's a different rose that they use. Maybe. Not mm-hmm. that there's anything wrong with your roses. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> During the 16th century, St. Benedict planted a little rose garden or rosetta, which became the model f- for monocytic rose gardens through the Middle Ages. I think rose gardens are just classy. They really are. Yeah. But may, I, that could just be a perception thing. I feel like if I was living in the Middle Ages, I would like send a letter to you to meet me in the Rose Garden for some romance. <laughs> okay. You'd send a letter? Yep. Through carrier. Would you send a letter or would you send a messenger? A messenger. Whatever it took. Like, to you're get a classy your- lady. You'd <laughs> certainly be higher up. In social status. (laughs) So, like, you would have access to a messenger. Honestly, I might be watching too much Bridgerton. But that's not that long ago. I know. Relative to the time (laughs) period we're talking about. So, would you say that was the birthplace of the prototypical Rose Garden? Yes, I would. And, maybe this is a dumb question. I don't know where I'm going with this. Okay. Something, something, rose garden at the White House. Is that actually a rose garden? It probably is. You should know. I should know. Well, I tried. I've avoided the White House for a while. 
But I know that Michelle Obama grew a ton of veggies there. So not just a rose garden? Like I like I don't know if that's just what they call the area of land on the property or if it is actually it just pro- a rose garden. It's probably just a rose garden. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Do you think Melania's rose garden was as nice as Mobama's? No, nothing's as nice as Mobama's. Yours is. I I don't even have a rose garden. I have like three roses that are like separated from each other in our yard and they kind of do okay. I know. And they're just as nice. That's how good you are. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Okay. In the 17th century, roses were in such high demand, they were considered a type of tender, which like... You mean like currency? Yeah. So like people were exchanging roses for other goods. Do you know what their relative worth was? No, I didn't. They didn't say that. But good enough to trade for probably a loaf of bread. Like one rose per loaf of bread, do you think? No, I bet it was like a bundle. But a bundle's a lot of roses. I know, probably a dozen. A dozen roses for one loaf of bread. Is it worth it? I don't think it is. Because that's like, you can make a single transaction with roses, right? Because eventually they're just going to wither up and die. Like you can maybe prolong them. Unless you make them into rose water. But that also will just get used up, right? So will bread. Yeah, but bread is nutritious. Like, that will keep your family alive. You can eat roses. You can make desserts with them. Like, imagine we're back there, and I I come home for dinner, and you're like, oh, my God, honey, I'm so hungry. Give me the bread. And you're like, and I'm like, well, f- funny story. Here's we got We got some roses. I made a trade. I would love to receive roses from you. But what are you going <laughs> to eat? There's no bread. Well, I guess we didn't think that through enough. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you're giving away the bread, you're getting the worst end of the trade. Possibly, unless you make rose bread. But would that taste good? Have you ever eaten rose flavored I, stuff? I have. Is it? You, you, you're looking at me like we've eaten it together. And no, I've I don't. Forgotten. I don't think so. Okay. No, I've had rose Turkish delight. Do you know what that is? Oh, yes. I hear it's awful. Oh, I like Turkish Delight. Uh, Well, I don't know about Turkish Delight in general, but like rose flavored Turkish Delight I hear is awful. Well, I like the flavor of it. And I like, I also like the scent of it too. So is Turkish Delight like default rose flavor? I I don't know enough. I know you can get rose flavored Turkish Turkish Delight. And and I know there's other flavors because I've had them too. I don't know. I freaking love Turkish Delight. It's so good. I don't good. know if I've ever eaten it. Can you describe it to me? Yeah. So it's kind of like like a gelatin, but stiffer, like a stiff jelly. Okay. And they're cut into like small, like, like little in- cubes. Yeah, right? like inch size cubes. And then they're rolled in powdered sugar. They're like dusted mm. in it. And so it's just like you pop one in your mouth and it's like sweet and then jelly. And then sometimes there's pistachio flavor and like there's other. F- and I bet the pistachio one has nuts in it. Yeah, I've definitely seen them. Mm-hmm. Now that you mention it, before that, I was, I was picturing. Um, you said Turkish delight. I was picturing baklava. Oh. Very, <laughs> very different thing. Also delicious. Very delicious. I <laughs> yes. do like that. Yeah, it's super good. Okay. <laughs> we should try some Turkish delight. We should. Let's get it delivered because we're quarantining together. <laughs> I wonder if we could get it delivered. Oh, I'll find it. But I mean, <laughs> they, they definitely have it at Granville Island. Which we already know cannot be delivered to us. Damn. That's okay. Maybe Savon has it. 
I, I doubt it. <laughs> Honestly, I would say if we were to get some that, and it has to be Rose. Of course, it has to be. In spirit I know. of the, the episode. Yeah, in spirit of the episode and just for field research, we should find an actual candy maker and not one that's like prepackaged. Okay, so no save on then. No, no save on. Okay. Okay, in the 19th century, Victorians formed the modern rose garden defined by symmetry and well-spaced plants. So I bet this is where what most rose gardens are styled after. So this would be like the White House rose garden. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And so you said Wow, I'm drawing a blank. Modern, well-spaced. Yes. What were what was the previous iteration of rose garden? Uh, well, that one was from the 16th century and it looks like it was more monochromatic and probably not well-spaced. So just like a, a single variety of roses. Probably. all like bunched together. Which kind of makes sense because it's like back in history, they didn't probably didn't have as many. Yeah. And we're going to talk about why spacing out your roses is important later on in the episode. You got to avoid overcrowding. Yeah. Right? Right. You got it. Let yeah. me go. Okay, there are 20,000 cultivated varieties of roses. You should have asked me to guess. Oh, shit. Because I would have thrown a Hail Mary and said 20,000. And you would have been very impressed. <laughs> You're just saying that. No, no, yeah. I, I seriously, as you started saying it, I was in my head, I was like 20,000. Right. Well, that's a lot of varieties that I can't even wrap my mind around. And then I bet some of them are no longer around and things like so that. So that's like historically how many have been discovered, not how many are active right now. No, that means that historically 20,000 roses have been cultivated in, a, in the sense that someone saw this rose, they liked it, they potted it up and they sold it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then there's others that are out there. Possibly, yeah. Like a wild rose. People don't like as much. They don't. Okay. Like how how expensive do you think? Okay. There's. a. Okay. Uh, let me restart the reset. question. Since you want to guess. I looked up the most expensive rose variety and I found it. It was cultivated over a course of 15 years. And I want you to guess how expensive or how much it costs to cultivate this rose. Culti so. Is that cultivating the plant or just a single flower? The plant. Okay. And over 15 years. It takes 15 years. That is a pricey plant. They took, yeah, it took, excuse me, it took them 15 years to perfect it to how they wanted it. Can you tell me what it's called? It's called Juliet Rose. That, yeah, that doesn't help at all. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll talk about it a little no, bit. No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> yes, talk, talk about okay. it. Okay. I'm going to think juliet rose is the most expensive rose ever developed costing david austin which is a rose brand a mm -hmm. very popular one a one that i actually have planted in my yard oh they're pricier and they're absolutely exquisite so it cost them this amount of money over 15 years it was first publicly displayed in 2006 at the chelsea flower show the striking flower boasts large headed blooms and it's a light pink I, I'm really worried I'm going to either guess embarrassingly high or embarrassingly <laughs> low. No, go high. 
$8.3 million. Oh, you went too high. <laughs> three, $3 million, but stretched across 15 years. Yeah, that's still a lot of dollars. You could probably buy it on the market for $39.99. <laughs> like one rose? One rose plant. Oh, oh, one plant. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, like how many roses in a plant? Depends how well you like grow it. Like it. In a season? Ah, shit. Maybe... 10 to 20? I don't know if that's a, cool. if that's an accurate 10 even to 20 guess. for 40 bucks? Yeah. Of the most exquisite roses? Well, you could keep it year to year if you can keep it alive. Right, but that's the most exquisite roses on the planet. Yeah, well, we sold our David Austin roses for $39.99, so that's my my estimate. So, like, the basic Brady roses are a couple bucks? The basic Brady roses? Yeah, because I'm basic. Yeah. I, I don't know the finer roses. I'd, I'd go <laughs> oh, to the, the ba- place and be like... Give me the one that's two dollars fifty. It looks good. She'll like it. You won't find a rose bush for two fifty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So three million dollars. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what makes it so good? Is it just like consistency when you grow it? There. Well, like based on their like brand, a lot of it is either it makes a really the bushes formed really nice, or it's a really aggressive grower usually they pick varieties that are more resistant resistant against diseases mm-hmm. and the f- and the floral show is just beautiful i'm talking like petal on petal like i feel like you should look up a photo of a david austin rose right but now. it would have to be consistent right yeah it would be high producing right but no like consistently high quality as well yeah they're like not just like one or two super nice ones for the no like they, they're all that good. yeah they probably have i guess maybe like 15 to 30 nice roses like each year and, and only some $40 a plant and they take them out of circulation and like they'll say this one's no longer a part of the thing. It's pretty cool. We should get some. Let's do it. I actually, them. I noticed that the nursery down the street is selling them. <laughs> uh, the one just by uh-huh. the hospital. Yeah. Oh, maybe we can get some delivered. Not that I was like looking into it to purchase them or anything. <laughs> Not that I Googled roses in Surrey or anything. Could we keep it? alive without having a garden to plant it in yeah you could keep it as a container one for how long though three years maybe if you you pick a big enough pot wow right what about the big old pot we got in the living room not big enough that's not big enough no rose bushes are huge it's indoors no we wouldn't keep it inside it'd have to live on the yeah it has to go outside oh okay all right (laughs) maybe maybe not then (laughs) okay that's all i got for history that was a very brief history. I, this is the very brief history of rose section. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to talk about basic care too. I feel like I can't just talk about how cool plants are. I got to talk about how to take care of them. You know? So I'm going to jump right into it. Let's go. Give me top tip number one. Well, your top tips are to feed and prune. Literally, like I swear, like the first week of work, it was, People are like, roses are heavy feeders. And so I've carried that like th- with me from the very beginning. That And so all you need to know is you need to feed your roses heavily. And uh, how do you feed them? Uh, uh, let's do it. So when you're first planting your rose, you start with a fertilizer that has a high nitrogen number, which is the first number on a fertilizer pack. And this is when you're planting like the shrub when it's small and you want it to put on growth. And so the high nitrogen helps promote general plant foliage. 
And then later in the spring and summer, you can fertilize with a high center number, which is for bloom production. So I can't think of what the what the element is, but you want to look for usually the fertilizer would be like labeled as like bloom production or like high I, I was going to guess at an element, but I would have been wildly wrong. It might be K. I can't remember. K? Isn't K potassium? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it is. K is potassium. I don't know if that's it, though. I was going to say lithium, but I knew that wasn't. <laughs> no, I, was, I, I wasn't going to say that K was lithium. When you were like, I can't remember the element, I was just going to blurt out lithium. But I was like, that is wrong. Very bad misinformation and could be dangerous if by chance someone's out there is listening. And they're like, let me just chuck some lithium into my rose bush. <laughs> No, okay, it's NPK or NKP. Phosphorus. Isn't phosphorus pH? No, that's... Isn't pH... I'm so thrown off now because like, I'm thinking like pH of the soil. That's what I'm thinking too. Let's Google it. Just Google fertilizer numbers and elements. <laughs> And we're back. Okay. Okay. We got the numbers. Lay it on me. You were right. N is nitrogen. Okay. P, any last minute guesses? It's phosphorus. You looked it up too, didn't no, you? No, I didn't. I know. I knew. Why did you let me go through all that then? I don't remember the order. So a P is in the center? Uh, Yes. And that is for bloom production. Yes. And what's the last one? Okay. Okay. Potassium. Potassium. Yeah. Okay. So then what's pH? pH is like the level of acidity. But what does it stand for? I always assumed it was whatever I said earlier. I don't, I don't know what, what pH is either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just. We're not, we're not pausing again. That's not. That's, we're yeah. just going to push through. <laughs> it's related to plants, but not today. Okay. So yeah. Fertilizing in the summer with high center numbers so that you can get as much blooms out of the season as you want. And then you actually stop fertilizing a few weeks before your expected first frost date in the fall. And this is because you want, when you fertilize, you're encouraging certain growths by restoring like nutrients to the soil and the area for the so plant and uptake. fertilizing for the entire season. Yeah. Heavy feeders. Is, oh, heavy feeder. Okay. I was yeah. going to ask if that was normal, but heavy feeders makes me think it's no, not normal. No, it's not normal. Well, it's, it's specific uh, it's normal to roses. For roses. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. And then the second thing is pruning. And roses are also unique in the sense that you can kind of over prune them then based on like regular pruning techniques. So like regular pruning techniques are like you cut off or you prune about a third of the plant, but you don't really want to go more than that because you right. can cause serious damage. But roses are quite more intense than that. And in our area, you want to prune your roses around March, but it kind of depends on the season. And that's after it's frosted for the winter? It can still frost. It should be okay. But like you have to prune after you fertilize for the summer and then it's rested for the winter. No, you want to prune in the in the beginning, the end of winter, beginning of spring. Right. But what I mean is you don't plant in the beginning of spring and try to prune something right away. Like you, you have to go through the summer fertilization. No, you could do that. Oh, you could do it. But most likely when you're getting a rose from a nursery in early spring, it's already been pruned down to size. Oh, okay. So you usually don't have to. Okay. 
So someone once told me to prune in February and to do it around Valentine's Day to because um, it's easy to remember that because Valentine's Day is so associated with roses. So you think, oh, Valentine's Day, I should go out and prune my roses. But I find that like in our area, the February can be like surprisingly harsh. When you prune the, uh, the rose bush, are you mm-hmm. actually like pruning off the flowers? So in the winter, usually in our area, they don't retain much foliage and they oh, also okay. don't really have blooms but i do have one rose bloom in my yard and i don't know why well i was asking because like yeah. maybe they're suggesting you do it around february if you're cutting pruning off the flowers because then you just have them to sell no no no, no. they're not high producing oh, in okay. february but when i say i'm like pruning i'm talking like going down into the, the lower stalks and cutting off and some people say cut down to five leaves or five canes uh, like a stem on a rose is called a cane mm-hmm. so you can do, go pretty heavy it's so like cut down to just that amount remaining after you're done yeah um let's see Okay, so another pruning tip is to cut out any dead wood because it's not going to produce anything. And you know it's dead because it's like shriveled up and ugly looking. Damage. So go ahead and do that. Go pretty heavy. Let's see. Oh, you want to cut at an angle. And that's something new that I learned today. I feel like I knew that. uh, Yeah, okay. I might have known that, but I don't think I would have applied it to the situation. So when you cut or when you prune at an angle... It helps the water, if it rains, it helps the water not stay near the cut wound. It slides off. Uh, yeah. Instead of if it was cut flat, it would just it puddle would just in. Sit up there. Yeah, and be a cesspool for bacteria. Oh, and it's also really good pruning technique um, to cross, to cut any canes that are crossing. So, like they're growing across from or like in each other's face, basically. Yeah. You want to cut some of that out. Would you only cut one of them? I would. And then just let the other one keep going as mm-hmm. it is? Kind of work on what kind of shape you want. It never occurred to me that you would cut a rose bush into a shape. Yeah. I would just let it. Uniform, go. baby. Okay, my, okay. Well, I just let it go. I don't prune my roses because <laughs> I'm fucking lazy, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe I will prune it as an experiment this year. How many, how big do you reckon your plant is, your bush is going to get? Wow, that is a. <laughs> well, I can tell you this. The one by the front <laughs> fence is already like two feet above me and I'm almost six feet. So they're really tall. Oh, so I haven't pruned it in a few years, but maybe I could come in and really hack it up and see what it produces this Uniform, summer. baby. Uniform, baby. Okay. Uh, another important thing for your roses is that they are full sun plants. They need that whole day of light to produce as many blooms as they want. I also learned that it is really important that they have morning light. And it's, and the reason it's so important is because it helps with disease prevention. So you want it facing east. If you had a choice between it facing east or west, pick the east. Pick the east. But ideally you want it in a spot that gets sunlight all day. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I guess that's why it can't be indoors. Right. Because... There's like at least half the day, there's no sunlight. Exactly. And also it can't be indoors because our houses stay warmer in the winter. Than and it needs the cold? Yeah, it needs that dormancy period. Interesting. Although they do sell like mini roses at the grocery store, which are actually just regular roses that have been forced to bloom when they're like this tall. I guess that would, for the non-people, for the people listening not in the room, I'm making a gesture of like, 
five and a half inches. Five and a half inches, yeah. Yeah, but they're called mini roses, but they're just regular roses that you would plant outside. And you buy them year-round? Yeah, usually you buy them around the holidays because they're a good gift. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about is disease. <laughs> a cesspool for bacteria. Yep. And this is kind of going to tie in some of the things I've already talked about, but there are quite a few things that can happen to your roses. Um, the three I'm going to talk about today are black spot, rust, and powdery mildew. Okay. So black spot is a fungal disease. It literally looks like a black spot on the leaves. So it's really easy like to black ident- mold. Yeah, it's really easy to identify. It will cause the leaf to eventually turn yellow and fall off. And this occurs in cold and wet environments. Brady, what kind of environment do we live in? Cold and wet, baby. Yep, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to talk about like uh, preventative things because, you know. Is it only for roses? Like, you no, get you can get black spot on other things, but it's really common for roses. And is it only on the flowers? No, it's on the leaves. Or, oh, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Only on leaves, but like not on the stems or the rest of the plant? I feel like it might, it could possibly travel to the stems, but you would see it most affected on the leaves, on the, leaves. On the foliage. Okay, so prefer preventative care. You want to give your roses ample spacing. And that's of course. Yeah. That's for a wind so it can have good airflow. Yeah. Cuz the air will help push out any type of bacteria or thing or fungal problem like that and it helps keep things dry. And that's why they probably have more success in the later Rose gardens, because they're spacing them out a certain way, things like that. That's why you want to prune the canes that are crossing, because it creates more airflow through it, less crowded when the foliage grows in, Mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, When you're watering your roses, you want to avoid getting water on the leaves as much as possible. Obviously, you can't avoid that when it rains, but if you're in charge of watering your roses, hit the water at the base. This helps. Like in the soil? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, you can apply a fungicide like neem oil or Rose RX to stop the spread. So if you notice that your plant has it, what mm-hmm. you would do is you would remove the infected foliage, make sure none of it's fallen onto the soil because if it hits the soil, it can spread too. So you would throw it away in the trash. You wouldn't compost it because you don't want it, the fungus to spread. Right. And then you would apply the neem oil or whatever product you would like to do. And then pl- apply early in the morning, that way, like, before the sun rises or before the sun's, like, really shining. That way, like, if it is, like, a neem oil product, it's like applying oil on your skin and if the sun hits it, it burns. Right. So you don't want to do that. You want it to work as magic before that can happen. Right. Exactly. For recovery for black spot, I guess I kind of talked about this. You would remove infected leaves or stems and not let it sit at the base because it spreads really easily. Ask me if my roses have black spot. Do your roses have black spot? Absolutely. Not a f- oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I thought this was going. <laughs> that would require a lot of effort to control it. You sure? Is that a bad thing? No, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I should put more effort into my gardening. That's that's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I just I think it's also just roses are just really susceptible to it, so I kind of just accept it. 
Okay, moving on to to rust. So rust literally looks like rust. They're like orange spots on the leaf. Isn't rust just oxidization? They call it rust, but it's not the rust that like is on your card. The rust that appears on rose leaves is a f- another fungal disease. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just call that because it looks like that yeah because no it looks scientific similarity no it might i don't know if it has similarities but it is orange and it looks rusty <laughs> it's and this one spreads through the wind which that's even harder to control yeah so you have to like catch it early and pick it all off and get rid of it before yeah, cause it, if if you don't and you have a windy day as we are like to do here in the pacific northwest <laughs> that's it it's game over for can the you tell fish. that is hard to grow roses here yeah no kidding <laughs> It's actually not hard, but it's it can be a battle. Okay, and so rust is a complete fungi, which I learned about today. It has all five stages of a fungi, and it needs plant material to live, which I think is a little bit different than black spot. <laughs> my next sentence is, I have rust in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> you should have asked me to guess again <laughs> or ask you again. But actually, it infiltrates my hollyhocks. Those are the, the really tall ones, right? Yeah, the ones yeah. that get like 11 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, but it, you, you come over in the summer. You'll see it. I'll point it out oh, to I've you. I've been over in the summer. <laughs> okay, so the next problem is powdery mildew. That sounds like the most disgusting of all of them. <laughs> it is another fungus. I think roses don't like fungus. Right. Hot take. It's also really common for our environment because it's wet and cold. Well, what the hell isn't when it comes yeah. to roses? And it, the thing about powdery mildew is it can cause your buds not to open. And that would and suck. You, you, you definitely want your buds to open. Yeah, exactly. We need open buds. Yes, we do. So the control for powdery mildew and the control for rust are the same as the control for black spot. It's like Negative wind machine. Neg- yes. Blows the wind in the other direction. Exactly. A vacuum, you could say. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just plant roses in space, dummy. <laughs> so while roses are commonly in, inflicted with these problems, I noticed that a lot of breeders are trying to breed roses that are strongly defended against it. You could say that David Austin roses are strong, strongly defended against it because they breed it into the plant. You could say that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, but you could. <laughs> <laughs> and those are all my disease facts about roses. It, they were all funguses, right? Fungi. Yeah, they were fungal infection. So you would you, you could say a fungal <laughs> infection. So you would just use a fungicide as a, like means for for control of it. Sounds easy. Yeah, if like if a leaf has like black spot or rust or powdery mildew. That leaf is not going to recover. So you got you got to prune it and mm-hmm. move on. You got to prune it and try to pre- prevent the spread of it further. Which one is the hardest to prevent the spread of? I feel like rust is really hard to get, at least for me. So I also get powdery mildew in my oh, yard. No Shocking. <laughs> this is what happens when you grow in the Pacific Northwest. And I find that I get it a lot on our squash leaves because they have a really large like surface. Mm-hmm. So like it's really easy for like water to collect there. I say black spot is no. Okay, yeah, black spot might be the easiest to control. Rust, I have no control over. That shit is just everywhere. Yeah, you like un- unless you're in a vacuum, 
as we previously discussed. Yeah. It's it's going to get windy and the shit is like it's windy every day. You can't avoid it. I know. It's horrible. But we like it. <laughs> That's why we live here. We do love a good breeze. Okay. So the next thing we're going to talk about why are roses associated with love? Why are they? I am very curious about this. So for there this are much nicer flowers out there. You think so? What's nicer than a rose? Can't say it without having to come back. I can I can picture them. I okay. don't know names. Okay, you like water lilies? I yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, carnations. Carnations. Are those a good one? They are. They they are a good one because tulips. My, carnations are my birth flower. Daisies. I like tulips. I'm just naming flowers. I don't like point. daisies. <laughs> Okay, for this answer, I pulled it straight from Google. So if you Google Google the same thing that I did, you'll get the exact answer. But um, there's... This is perfect because now we can't be negatively fact-checked. I know, right? <laughs> so roses are associated with love, and it relates back to Greek and Roman mythology. Shocker there. Doesn't everything in life... I feel like it goes does. goes back to the Romans and the Greeks. I know, right to the roots. <laughs> okay, it has been believed that this type of flower was created by the goddess of love. Do you know who she is? Aphrodite. You got it. <laughs> According to the <laughs> legend, her tears and her lover's lover Adonis's blood watered the ground from where the red roses grew, and this was a symbol of love until death. A little intense. So is this where till death do you part? Could from? be. Could be straight from Aphrodite and Adonis. Like another freaking thing straight from the Romans. <laughs> so is Aphrodite a Roman god or a Greek god? I want to say she, it's a Greek god, but I think that she has a different name in Roman mythology. There's crossover. For Are sure. you just saying that because the Romans would have their own no, I saw it. love? No, I saw it online. Oh, I was, okay. And I can't remember what the other name is. Okay. But yeah. So... Where do you think a lot of the um, roses for Valentine's Day come from? Roman or Greek mythology? No. <laughs> Where are they growing is what oh, I'm asking. Okay. That's an actual proper. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So like modern day? Like yeah, where are the yeah. majority grown? Well, think about it. In February, most of at least North America is cold. What? Australia? <laughs> What's below North America where it's warmer? South America. Yeah, there but you go. Australia yeah. No. is also. <laughs> That's all the way across the planet, babe. But you didn't say North America. I you said, where do the majority of roses for Valentine's Day come from? I thought we were talking globally. Oh, I don't know globally, but at least for the U.S. I thought it was tying it in when I said most of the U.S. is cold. Well, <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah. If I'm so, intelligent, that makes sense. Actually, a lot of floral products come from South America, and a lot of them also come from California. Doesn't surprise me. California is yeah. kind of like hot year round. It's good for growing stuff. Uh, rose sales on Valentine's Day are uh, sixty nine percent of floral sales for that day. So they're taking over the market. I would have been more impressed if the stat was rose sales on Valentine's Day are 69% of the plant sales for the year. No, I that don't That would think have been so. a hell of a stat. It would have been. But do you think about what flowers are used for? They're used for like 
people who are grieving, people who are celebrating weddings, events. Just gifting. Yeah, just gifting in general. Yeah. And how many roses do you think are produced for Valentine's Day? This is a podcast <sighs> where Brady guesses numbers. <laughs> I love guessing numbers. Uh-huh. I don't know why I do. We can debate this psychologically on a different episode, perhaps. <laughs> is it? Okay. To clarify, are we talking? Worldwide. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, worldwide. Are we talking about plants or like individual flowers? Individual stems of roses. Okay. Mm, 18 billion. It's 250 million. That's still I'm a lot. Way over. Yeah, you, you, yeah. I like guessing numbers. Not so good at it. <laughs> You're though. not very good at it. <laughs> okay. That's a lot of roses. So in Denmark, they, the more common flower they exchange is not a rose. Daisy. Nope. Tulip. Close. Snowdrop. I don't know what that is. So a tulip is a bulb and so is a snowdrop. And they're just a, like a dainty white white flower on a green stem and they're small. But I thought that was interesting that they had... That sounds a, very Danish. And it's also something no that it kind of makes sense because snowdrops bloom in February. So it like makes sense more ecologically to give snowdrops. Why does snow that drops? sound familiar? Snowdrops bloom in February. I feel like that's a song. I think it's also the February birth flower. I know a oh. lot of birth flowers. <laughs> okay, I got one last fact for you, man. For me specifically? For the podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. Valentine's Day is a bigger payday for florists when it falls on the weekday. I would not have expected that. Floral gift givers tend to send better flower arrangements to recipients' offices Actually. where the flowers can fall under the gaze of more admiring eyes. Thinking about it, it makes sense because if Valentine's Day is on a weekend, you're just going to go do something. Yeah. As opposed to gifting flowers. I just, it made me like laugh so hard when I read that because I was like, people are only giving flowers to show off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I sent you flowers. True. For my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a wrap up on roses. Well, I have a question. Okay. Why do rose plants have thorns? You know what? I looked this up today because I thought the same thing too. Why does anything have thorns? To protect against predators. But it's a plant. Herbivores exist. Pests exist. But is, is a thorn going to prevent an insect from eating a rose? Flower? It might. But you can just crawl around the thorn when you're going up the Not stem. if it's a big one. It's probably more of a biological development against larger or smaller animals. Like rodents? Yeah, things like that. Okay. I would have not been surprised if you said that the thorns are where new stems grow from. No, it's you'll know where new stems grow from. They're like a little swollen bud on the stem and you can tell. You can see that in the winter where it's going to sprout from. I mean, that could just be a thorn before it gets sharp. No, thorns have a separate person, a separate purpose. Do you notice that roses in the store don't have thorns or don't have as sharp as thorns? Yeah. Don't it, you cut them off? 
No, they don't cut them off. It's just the variety that they choose to grow and sell. So like the ones that they grow in the grocery store are ones that are don't stay shrubby, like the ones you would grow in your Is yard. It bad to get rid of the thorns? No, that's just the biological feature of that plant. Because I feel like I've seen florists clipping thorns off of rose stems. It's possible that they just have that a variety of rose that has that, and they might do that to soften the prick a little bit. We do love a soft prick. <laughs> so the right, most for the most part, florists are using roses that have either been altered genetically to have no thorns or varieties that just naturally don't have the thorns. And these ones grow a, like strong, like strong, tall stalks and mm-hmm. have a single flower at the top. So it's perfect for bouquets. Whereas like the average rose you would grow at home is like a bushier guy and you'll get like multiple blooms on one stem. Okay, interesting. So there's a difference from like what you grow to what's like commercially available through a florist. I love how much extra knowledge you had prepared for this. Well, I was like curious about it too because I was like, how come they're different than from when you grow it yourself? <laughs> I, I was just curious why they existed. Yeah. There's so many different types of roses too. Like Yeah, it was 22,000. Tw- I don't even remember, but it's something like that. I think it was, it was around, it was tens of thousands. Yeah. There's the ones that like climb and trail up like fences and things like that. There's like the really shrubby ones. There's ones that's, that are like single flower. And then there's like David Austin ones that are like millions of petals. What are your favorites? Favorite. Singular. You got to pick one. That's so hard. I'm a really big fan of purple roses. Purple is a good color. I have one that's lilac in our yard and it's like scrumptious. And so like. The petals are kind of wavy. Mm-hmm. It's not like full of petals, but for what it has, they're like wavy and it's just, it's so pretty. I also have a David Austin in my yard that's peach and it has like a really large, I can't think of what the term is, but the outer petal is really large. So it looks like a cup and a saucer and then the inner petals are really compact. That sounds cute. It's pretty. I like it. You got it. When you get home, you got to send photos. Okay, I will. I want to see this one. You got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okie dokie, that wraps up this episode of Tremendous. That was easy. Are you going to do the outro? Thank you for tuning in. This has been Tremendous, a podcast about plants. If you're loving our content, be sure to check us out at Tremendous.fm or at TremendousFM on Twitter. And make sure you're subscribed to get notifications of new episodes. Happy planting. Mm